Tune your ear to wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Project Philippians, a deep dive into one of the richest treasure mines in Scripture. I'm delighted to have you join me today for another excavation into an amazing 2,000-year-old book. Welcome back, my friend. Great to have you here again for another time of Bible study. So uh, let's just get right to it, shall we? Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this book, and I thank you for the opportunity to study it deeply and earnestly. That's what we want, Lord. But Lord, it doesn't matter what I say unless your spirit comes, unless you meet with us here and speak to us and, and use my fumbling words to draw my listeners closer to you closer to an understanding of who you are and how you want us to live. That's our prayer. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Amen. Well, we are, uh, what, episode 11 here, and we still aren't out of the very first verse. You know, it's like we just got this letter from Paul in the mail, and we spent all this time just studying the addresses on the outside of the envelope. And uh, we studied who it's from, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus. And then we studied who it's to, who the letter was delivered to, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. And then we got to this interesting phrase, including the overseers and deacons. I think that's interesting for a number of reasons. First of all, Paul wrote 13 different letters. Nine of them were to churches, but he never in any of those other letters calls out the overseers and deacons, the leadership of the church in the opening line. So that to me is very interesting, and we're going to have to ask ourselves why. But before we get to that question, I just want to ask the simple question, who is he referring to, and what do these words mean? When he says, along with the overseers and deacons, some some versions say the bishops and deacons. Now, in throughout history, these words have taken on very religious or churchy overtones, right? These are church words, bishops, deacons. You don't use those anywhere else. But that wouldn't have been true back when he first wrote this. These words were very common words, everyday words. Overseer, for example, it comes from the word episkopeo. Uh, that's the Greek word, which is two pieces, epi, which means over or upon, and skopeo, which means to look. So it's to look over, to oversee. Uh, so this word was used for overseers, for superintendents, for guardians, for captains of uh, an army, people who were in charge of others. And diakonos, that's the second word. That's the word we get deacon from. Diakonos was just a servant, somebody who had a menial job, a, a tradesman perhaps, or a servant. When Peter's mother-in-law uh, was raised up from her illness, it says she right away went to serving, and it's this word diakonos, serving the others. And the idea is that she started making meals and serving the, setting the table and putting food before them and just doing this common menial job. And so these were, these were common non-spiritual words, so to speak. Now, it's possible, I suppose, that Paul had something of that in his mind. We know from our study in Acts that there was a wide diversity of economic backgrounds. Remember the affluent entrepreneurial businesswoman, and then there's the common workaday prison guard. And I'm sure as the church grew that that kind of diversity just flourished, right? And so perhaps Paul had a little bit of that in his mind as he was referring to the to the superintendents and the servants or to the white collar and the blue collars, and wanted to make sure that they all understood that they were all together in this. That's possible. I don't think that that's likely, though, because 
These words, although they were secular words, so to speak, they had begun to take on a new meaning inside the church. And so that's where I want to go to the next question. What do these words actually mean? What would they have meant to Paul? Now, like I said, in history, these words have become very churchy words. We've, we've come to understand this hierarchical organization of churches that's very common in most churches today, probably the one you go to. There's probably designated elders, perhaps pastors. Uh, maybe you have a deacon board. Most churches have these different structures, these different ways to organize the leadership of the church. Now, as a result, it's not surprising that there are many church-going Christians who just basically assume that the governing structure of their church is something that was defined in the Bible. But as a matter of fact, we don't really know what the governing structure of the early church was because the Bible doesn't tell us. But we do have some clues about what types of organizational structures uh, began to form in the early church. We get a first glimpse of this in the book of Acts. If uh, you look at Acts chapter 14, uh, Paul and Barnabas are working through one of their mission trips, and they are going through the cities and encouraging. In verse 22, it says they were strengthening the disciples, encouraging them. And then verse 23, it says, Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church with prayer and fasting and committed them to the Lord. So they took it very seriously. They knew that as they left, that there had to be somebody in charge of this church, somebody who could oversee the church. And so they they appointed elders. Now, an elder was somebody who was older, typically, right? But it's not, not everybody who's older is an elder <laughs> because they appointed them. They chose specific ones uh, because they knew that they were the godly ones, the mature ones, the ones who could watch out over the others. And so they appointed elders. And then later on in Acts chapter 20, he gathers together a group of these elders from the church of Ephesus, and he gives them kind of his goodbye speech. He doesn't expect to ever see them again. And so he, it says in verse 17, from, from Miletus, Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church. So he invites them to come for this conference, so to speak. And he sits down with them and he, he, he lays out this vision for them to really watch out for the church. And then he gives them this, this word down in verse 28. He says, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. There's that same word, overseers, that we have in Philippians 1.1. And so we see that elders and overseers basically are the same synonymous to Paul. He says, uh, keep, he says to the elders, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And then he adds another word. He says, be shepherds of the church of God. Now, this word shepherd is uh, another word that we con would consider to be synonymous with elders and overseers based on, on this verse here. And the word shepherd is actually in Greek the same word that was often translated as pastors. It's the ones who oversaw the flock. It was their responsibility to, to see the church of God as a flock of sheep, and it was their job to watch them, to guard them, to take care of them, to nourish them, to guard them from the wolves that would certainly come in and threaten them. That was the job of a pastor, of a shepherd, of an elder, and of an overseer. In the book of Timothy, later on, 10 years or so after the Philippians was written, 
this role became even more defined, and Paul tells Timothy to look for specific character qualities of somebody who could be an overseer or a pastor. And so it's very clear that Paul is looking for somebody whose heart and soul and mind has been sold out to the Lord, whose character is in line with that of the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ himself. And one, it's interesting that one of the specific character qualities that an overseer was supposed to have, according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, is that he was supposed to be able to teach. And so that's where the idea that the pastor, elder, shepherd, overseer, their job, one of their, one of their responsibilities was to teach the rest of the flock, to bring the word of God out in a way that others could understand it and could apply it to their lives. They were able to teach it, to make it clear. And so that was the idea in Paul's mind when he says overseer. He's looking at those who are spiritual overseers of the souls and, and hearts of the flock of the church of God. Then we come to this word deacons. I already told you that the, the word diakonos means a servant, but this word, like episcopos, also was beginning to take on a special meaning in the church. And that understanding of the word first began to take shape in Acts chapter 6. Remember, that was in the early days of the church, uh, and the disciples were still basically the only leaders of the church, and they were in charge of—they uh, were the overseers at that point, and they were teaching and, and so forth. But there was a problem that rose up where uh, they were giving out food to, to the, the poorer people in the church, but some of them weren't getting enough food, and it was just an administrative nightmare to get make sure that everybody was getting the right amount of food and so forth. And so they, they, the, the 12 disciples got together and said, what are we going to do about this? And verse 2 of Acts 6, he says, the 12 gathered— gathered all the disciples together and they said, you know, it wouldn't be right for us to neglect our ministry of the word of God in order to wait on people's tables. So here's the solution. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. And we will turn this responsibility, the waiting on tables, over to them. And then we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So the word deacon isn't in that passage. However, the verb form of the word deacon is. And when they said it wouldn't be appropriate for us to wait on tables, the idea of of organizing this uh, food distribution program was considered to be a deacon's job or a diaconos job, a servant's job, waiting on tables, helping others, doing the tasks that are necessary for a church to thrive because the spiritual leaders of the church can't do everything, and they're not supposed to do everything. There's some who are intended to be spending time in the Word of God and praying and and teaching, and and in order for them to do that successfully, there needs to be others who are willing to come alongside and do the other so-called menial tasks. I call them menial, but in, in their minds, they certainly weren't. And the reason I know that is because they said, these need to be spirit-filled people who come along and do this task. These need to be godly, mature men of God who come along and become the so-called deacons over this church. And uh, again, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, Paul describes the character qualities of the overseer. He also describes the character qualities of a deacon. And, he, and it's this, basically the same list, except it doesn't mention teaching for the deacons, it, but it mentions their character qualities. So these leaders of the church needed to be men who were spiritually devoted to the Lord, and it showed in their character and their attitudes and their behavior. 
These were important jobs. These were noble jobs. First Timothy 3.1 says, if anybody has desires to, to have the job of an overseer, he desires a noble task. But the deacon's job was no less noble. Uh, Jesus himself said, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And that, were, that is the same word, diakonos, to come to serve by giving of myself so that others can thrive. So if Jesus had this job, then we clearly know that these two roles in the church are extremely important. And I just want to say to you, if you're listening to me right now, if you're studying the word like this, you may not have these roles in your life right now. You may not be serving as an overseer or even as a deacon in a church, but I want to encourage and commend you that this needs to be part of your aspiration. I believe that 1 Timothy 1, when he says it's a noble task, he, he means for it to be something that we as children of God uh, yearn for, desire to to serve God in whatever capacity that may be, whether it's in a leadership oversight position or in a service and helping position, no matter what it is, God wants you to be aspiring to this role. It is a noble task. But the last question that I want to cover before we leave this phrase in Philippians 1.1 is why? I, I think I mentioned earlier that Paul wrote in, this is the only time in Paul's letters where he calls out these specific roles as he's addressing the church in the first verse of, the, of, his, of his epistles. So why did he do that? Why were they specifically on his mind? Well, there's two prevailing opinions about how to explain why Paul refers to the leaders here. And they both have to do with some of the main themes that are in the book of Philippians. So the, the purpose of the book itself. Why did Paul write this letter in the first place? If we understand that, then that might give us a clue to why he's referring to them. So one of the reasons that Paul wrote this book was it's actually a thank you letter. It was the, the Philippians had recently sent him a, a very generous gift, financial gift, to support his ministry. And he was writing this letter to send them, to, to express his gratitude and to let them know how much he appreciated their support. And so some uh, Bible interpreters would say that they, he calls out the leaders of the church because he knows that they were specifically responsible or integral in uh, uh, organizing the, the fundraising and the, the gathering of the, the funds and, and so forth. And so he wanted to really uh, express his appreciation to them and call them out in particular. Now, that's, that's one possible explanation. Uh, I don't think it's the strongest interpretation, specifically because in the particular passage where Paul expresses his gratitude, he actually never mentions the leaders there at all. So I don't think that's necessarily the reason he's talking about them here. Now, there's another theme that's even more prevalent in the book of Philippians, and that is the theme of unity, of service. And uh, this is going to come up over and over again. We're going to see it in many different uh, perspectives. And so that being the case, I personally believe it is very possible that Paul was mentioning the leaders of the church here at the outset of the letter as if to say to them, listen up, unity and love and service starts at the top. The attitudes that you show to, as leaders of the church are going to infiltrate and affect and impact the rest of the flock of God. And so I think he is calling them, he's clearly talking to the whole church. He says, I'm, call, I'm speaking to all the saints, 
But I want particularly to give a shout out to the leaders because you in particular need to understand that in this noble role that you have been called to, you have also been given a great responsibility to make sure that unity and love and humble Christ-like service is essential in your role as leaders of the church. And so for those of you who, and I hope it's all of you, who aspire to positions like this someday, if you're not in that role already, keep that heart in your own mind that being a servant applies to everybody. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you have shown us and reminded us today that our most important job is to be a servant like Jesus was. He came not to be served, but to serve. And so, Lord, for those of my listeners who are in roles of leadership, I pray that you would encourage and inspire them to be servants. Lord, regardless of our role, regardless of what our responsibility is in the church that we attend, I pray that you would help us all to not only be willing to serve, but to be eager to serve, to serve those who are in leadership, those who you have placed in roles of responsibility, to understand how serious and significant their responsibility is, and that we would support them with all of our ability. And if we are in roles of leadership, that we would serve. We would be humble like Jesus was himself. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this reminder. Amen. It's been an honor to have you spend this time with me, but don't let it end here. May the words of God continue to resonate in your heart transform your life until the day you meet our glorious King and Savior face to face.